We've been in a study we're calling Relationship Status. Uh, my name's Matt Brocker, by the way, if we don't have a relationship already. Um, we're glad all of you are here. If, if I haven't gotten a chance to meet you, please come introduce yourself um, after, after we're done. Uh, we really are glad you're here. We're glad that, uh, you know, you get to come on this night when, when we're talking about this subject because, man, how many of you don't have a relationship with somebody? Just you? You got a relationship with all of us. Be your friend. Ethan, Ethan has no relationships back there. I don't believe that, Ethan. We, we all know people. We all have people in our lives. We all have difficult relationships at times, right? Relationships are necessary. God put us on this earth here together. It was not good for Adam to be alone. It's not good for any of us to be alone. And so we need each other. And, and he put the body of Christ together in such a way that, that we all work together. And, and the more you work with people, the more you find that people are crazy and people are hard and they're difficult and they're frustrating and they're so awesome at the same time. And so we need relationships and we need to, we need to figure out how, how better to, to act in our own relationships. We, we need to figure out how better to, to love on one another and serve one another and not be instantly offended and stand up for self every time that we get our feelings hurt. And man, relationships are hard, aren't they? They're, they're difficult. We've got the, the different selections there, and, and it is truly complicated at times, uh, but it is so beautiful uh, when it works. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about relationships kind of from a, a place that's a little bit, you know, maybe not the, the place you would think of going uh, when you talk about relationships. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, if you want to turn there, um, and this is, you know, smack dab in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, Christ doesn't really say anything about relationships, but he gives us some really incredible life principles in uh, the Sermon on the Mount, obviously. Uh, We're going to see a few verses before we get to Matthew chapter 7, but the bulk of our time will be there. So the other verses will show up on the screen. If you want to try and keep up and look look them up as we go, that's fine as well. Um, If you don't know, if you're you're not normal crowd, I guess, you're normal, but... If you're not normally here, that wasn't a nice way to say it. We have study sheets on these two little tables if you want to follow along the notes. Uh, that'll, that'll be awesome. Um, how many of you have ever built anything that required instructions? Most of us, right? The, the cheaper you buy, the, the worse the instructions are, right? I, we bought IKEA furniture in the past. I, I don't have anything wrong or against IKEA, but it's... It's very strange. The, the instructions are very strange. So usually what I do is I, I get everything out. You lay it out on the floor or on the table, and I think, I can figure this out. Right? I, I, don't, I don't need that paper, right? And you, you, know, you put it together, and, and, and the one panel's backwards when you're done, and there's three extra screws, and they probably put those in there just in case I lost them, right? No. I messed something up, right? We, we need instructions. Uh, I think I talked before, some of the favorite things for us to build in the Brocker household are Legos, and since they're very expensive, they usually have pretty good instructions, and there's no way I would be able to build anything that looks like anything worth keeping <laughs> without the instructions, so we use those a lot. Um, so what we've been talking about is, is building into people's lives, all right? Ikea furniture and Legos are, are fun but they're just not all that important. The lives that we live and the friendships that we have and the relationships that we have, man, they're so critically important. 
And if we're following the instructions that the rest of this world has given us, we're going to get the end result that the rest of this world is getting, aren't we? Right? And so we need to be looking at a different way of building in relationships. We need, to be, we need to be accessing God's instructions. He's the one that created us in the first place. He's the one that created us to have these relationships. It only makes sense to go, him, go to him for the instructions, right? So tonight we're going to see a little bit of that. How many of you guys know Ricky back here with the sweet red beard? Ricky, give us a wave here. Ricky, Ricky is, is just a good dude. Ricky's a, a mechanic. How many... How many car repair options can you do without instruction, without having to look them up? All kinds of them, probably. Yeah, most of them. Probably the new stuff that comes across. I'm, I'm putting you on the spot. I'm sorry, Ricky. Ricky Ricky's a car mechanic, and, and he's been doing it for quite a while. He's, he's done it probably before being a professional, just because he loves cars. And so most of the time, he probably doesn't need the instructions. But, you know, when somebody brings in that brand new, nice never before seen, you know, digital, <laughs> everything's crazy, everything's computerized. Man, when it's really, really important, and it's that paying customer that demands excellence, and you're going to read the instructions, right? You're going to make sure you do it right. Man, our, our, our relationships, these are things of eternal value. We've got to do this right. And, and if we want relationships that end up looking like what God created them to be, and we've got to follow his instructions. So uh, last week, or a couple of weeks ago, we saw 1 Thessalonians 5.11. It'll be up on the screen. It says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. All right, this word edify comes, is related to the word edifice, which is a building, right? And edifice is a building, so we're talking about building into the relationships. We're building into one another. Uh, Romans 4.19 it says, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another. All right, so there's certain things you need to follow. There's certain instructions you need to follow if you're going to build peace into your relationships, if you're going to build into one another. And another verse, 1 Corinthians 10.23 says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. All right, we have free will. We can make our own choices. We can do what we like. God's not going to force us to do one thing and re, you know, keep us from doing another. We get to choose. He's saying, make any choice you want, but not every choice you make is going to build into your relationships the way that God desires you build. Right? You're free to build however you want. You're free to make any choices you want, but if you build according to your plans versus God's plans, you're going to end up with your results versus God's results, right? And, and we don't want to, I'm just not smart enough to know how to do this. We've been married almost 15 years, and it's probably weekly that, that I don't know what I'm doing, all right? I'm still figuring this thing out. It's, it, it's difficult, you know, to, to, to maintain relationships and to build into each other. So all things are, are lawful, all things are allowed, but all things edify not. Uh, I've got it on your sheet this way. If you don't want worldly results, you must have a heavenly approach, okay? If you want something different than what this world has, you've got to do things differently than what this world does. I mean, that, that makes sense, right? If you don't want the same failed, broken relationships that you see all around you, that you've experienced growing up, 
man, we've got to do things differently. Let's go ahead and look in Matthew chapter 7, uh, towards the end of the chapter, verse 24. So this is, this is kind of at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, Jesus is finishing speaking, and he says, Therefore, in verse 24, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat, that, beat upon that house, and it fell not, <clears throat> for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. All right, we build according to God's plan, and we'll have a strong foundation. We saw a few weeks ago, man, we've got to start with Christ. If you're going to find the one, you know, the, the one you've been dreaming of, you've got to find the one. Jesus Christ. You've got to have him as your foundation. You've got to have a relationship with him first, and he's going to help you with all other relationships when you put the balance all on him. So we build our own way. We'll have an unsure foundation. When life's storms come through, the only thing we're going to have to hold on to is ourselves. And I'm not all that comforting to myself. Right? When, when the storms come, and the storms come, if your foundation is not sure, if your foundation is not in Christ, what are you going to stand on? That's why we see what we see, even in Christian marriages. Right? 50%, it's, it's approaching 50% failed marriages. It's, it's sad. And it's because the foundation is messed up. When the storms come, they're on the sand. Right? The sand shifts in the storm, and there's nothing to hold it up. All right, so most, most of those end in, in catastrophe. Before we get into uh, the rest of the points, we've, we've got some blanks and stuff for you to fill out. Let's go ahead and pray real quick. Um, we're going to be in Matthew 7 again. We'll be at the very beginning in verse 1 here in just a moment. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Uh, thank you that uh, the worship team did such an awesome job leading us in, in worshiping you. We're so thankful for them and their sacrifice, the time that they put in. Uh, we do pray that that was glorifying to you. We're here uh, because we love one another. We're here because it's, it's fun to, to hang out and spend time together, but we're here for you, um, and we want to glorify you in what we do. We want, to, um, we want to hear what your word has to say. We want it to change our hearts. And so, Lord, we pray right now that, that we would have soft hearts, we would have open ears, and that you would change us to be more like your son. Uh, we pray that uh, you help us to, to love others as you love us. In Christ's name I pray, amen. All right, so we're going we're gonna to get into this. I'll go ahead and give you the first blank is, is evaluate yourself. All right, so the first blank is to evaluate yourself. And as we start reading this, you're probably going to think, what in the world does this have to do with relationships? But we'll get there. So uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 starts out, says, Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge... Ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? All right, so a mote is just a small speck of dust. A beam is, is like a piece of wood. All right, so he's, he's contrasting the two. He says, or how wilt, in verse 4, or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote 
pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, then shalt thou clearly or see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. So again, what, what in the world does this have to do with relationships? Before we get into that, I've got on your sheet, this is, this is started off talking about judgment and judging. So what is judgment? Judgment is measuring something or someone against a standard, right? It could be a made-up standard. It could be a legitimate standard. Judgment is measuring something or someone against a standard, And obviously, we want to make we want to stay away from making our own standards. That's the the hypocrisy that that we're seeing here. Letter A: Judgment is necessary. It's necessary for all kinds of things in life. It's it's certainly necessary for relationships. He says, "Judge judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with me- what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again." All right, so he's, he's not instructing us not to judge. He's saying, if you judge, be prepared to be judged back. Right? If you're going to judge people, expect to be judged in the same manner that you judge others. How many of you have heard of the golden rule? Golden rule, do unto others as you, know, you want them to do unto you. We'll see that in it's, uh, the next verse up there, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. He says, therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that you want that men should do to you, even, or do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. All right, so that's what Christ is saying. He's saying judge others the way that you expect to be judged in return. Treat others the way you want to be treated. If you treat them poorly, expect that that's going to get turned right back to you. All right, it, it does have to do with relationships. Um, and it, in that last part, he says, this is all the law and prophets. A couple of weeks ago, we saw the same thing in Matthew 22. Verse 36 says, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Remember, if we put all of our love and focus on Christ, he's going to help us with the other relationships. Because he says, and second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. He's saying the exact same thing we just saw. The golden rule is that you treat others the way you want them to treat you. It's the same thing as loving them as you love yourself, right? You're, you're focusing your love and attention as you desire love and attention to be focused on you. It's the golden rule. It's the same thing. Or you dish it out and be ready to take it, <laughs> right? I'm I want to show grace and mercy because I need grace and mercy in my life. I need people to, to treat me that way. All right, so we, we need to be cautious of how we judge, but uh, the second point, letter B, is to look in the mirror first. All right, so if you're going to judge anything, anyone, you need to be ready to be judged yourself, what you, what you ought to do first, he says, is, is look in the mirror. If we look in verses 3 through 5, he says, Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye? Okay, why are you pointing out something that's wrong with somebody else when there's something clearly wrong, really wrong with you? 
right? How are you going to pick a little speck out of his eye if you've got a big old plank of wood in your own, right? Jesus was a carpenter. He was probably talking sawdust and, you know, big splinters, right? How are you going to help somebody if you can't even see? That's what pride does, doesn't it? He says, how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the moat that is in thine, or out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast the beam out of thine own eye, then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the moat out of thy brother's. All right, so one of the fastest ways to ruin any relationship, parent, child, best friend, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever, the, the fastest way to, to ruin that relationship, to add stress to that relationship is to be a hypocrite. Right? To, to put standards on somebody else that you will not follow. To, to put expectations on somebody that you cannot even recognize that you're, you're not even close to. Right? Nobody, nobody wants a hypocrite following them around, telling them how to live their life. That's just not what anybody wants. Last week we talked about fellowship and how we, not, we need to have good friends in our lives that, that can help us see when something's out of place. But you know what nobody wants? Nobody wants a self-appointed sin radar to follow you around and tell you every little last thing that you do wrong and never admit any of their own wrongdoing, right? It, it's a two-way street. It's, it's a partnership. Iron sharpens iron. You sharpen each other. Not, not one of you is the grinding wheel and the other's the knife. The other's the blade, right? I'm just here to grind away all the junk in your life. Be blessed. Right? Aren't you lucky to have a friend like me? Right? I mean, nobody, want, nobody wants that. Maybe at first, well, that's good. I, I needed to hear that. And then you see the guy coming, and you're like, oh, geez, I'm hiding. I'm out of here. I can't handle any more of what I've done wrong. You know, it, it, it just doesn't work. Nobody wants that. All right, if you're going to have deep friendships, you're going to have to be able to be approachable as well as being bold enough to approach. Right? It's got to work both ways. James 1, through 25 says, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. He's looking in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway, right away, forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. All right, so th- this book that we hold in our hands, the Bible, is like that magic mirror in Snow White. You guys seen Snow White? It's been a few years. Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? Not once have I looked into God's word, and he, and he, he replied, well, it's, it's, it's you, Matt. <laughs> it's just never happened. Even when I had glorious hair, and, and it wasn't ever glorious, but... Even back in the day, you know, before the dad bod, the bald head, the gray beard, before all that stuff, I just, it just never replied, you are the fairest of them all, right? It's just not, you know, what, what I've gotten out of God's word is, hey man, I love you, and I love you enough to show you that you don't yet look like my son. Amen. Well, thank you, Lord, because I need to hear that, Right? When I first showed up on the scene here at First Baptist, uh, I came because some friends of mine at Kent and some friends of mine at Bueller's that I worked at, um, they just kept inviting me and kept inviting me, and you know, I showed up. The main reason I came was I, 
I wanted good friends. Um, I didn't have a lot. I wanted, I wanted that special lady in my life, and there was pretty girls there, so I showed up, you know, at, at different events. And, uh, you know, it was, that was, you know, I was on the prowl. <laughs> for, lack, for lack of a better, yeah, lack of a better, that was odd. That, I had the hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had the gel in the hair. It was, oh, yeah. Yeah, she didn't know. I was, I was a triple threat back in the day. Um, man, this is getting out of hand, man. <laughs> what I didn't realize was I, was, I, I came here for relationships, and I found the relationship, the love of my life, Jesus Christ. Right, I came and he, he showed me the incredible love that he has for me and for you. And what he did in laying his life down in, in my place. Man, what a tremendous sacrifice. And I was not ready for that. Right, because I had in my own mind figured out what I was missing, the relationships I needed, the, the dream, the American dream. I just needed, you know, the two cars, whatever. I had a truck and a car and I needed, I needed a white picket fence. I was close. I had the good job. It was all falling in line. I just needed that, that one person to share it with, and, and I didn't realize that person was Christ until he, he came onto my scene, right? And I gave my life to Christ, and I started coming in here every time the doors were open. I, I came to every event. I signed up for discipleship. I started getting in God's word. God's word started getting into me. And it started changing me, and my perspective changed. And one of the first things that God showed me in his magic mirror was, hey, man, uh, that car that you're throwing insurance money away on, I had a Mustang GT. It was, was fun and fast and way too new and way too expensive and way, you know, lots of insurance. And so <laughs> it was a Ford. It was a really fast Ford. It was, and, and, it, and it burned through money fast, and it wasn't repairs. It was, it was God's money that I was throwing away, right? And God said, hey, man, you know, those are my resources I'm trusting you with. What are you, what are you doing with that? And I, I felt convicted by the magic mirror, and I said, okay, Lord, I, I see that in me. I, I want to change that. And by his grace, he helped me sell that, and, and I got out from under that debt, and, and, and that was just like those little things were happening in my life, and God was confronting me, and, and I'm Man, I, I, sh- I told you, I, I showed up to, tr- to find the one, right? I, I showed up to find that girlfriend. That's all that I was missing in my life. And when I got there, and God started working in my life and showing me these things, he showed me, man, all you know is broken relationships. You, you grew up without a dad. Look, that, that wasn't my fault. But that's what I grew up in. You grew up with a mom who did everything, and then you had a stepdad, and then... And then he was abusive, and so that ended. And then you had terrible relationship after terrible relationship. And Matt, you don't know how to be a man. You don't know how to be a man of God. And I was like, wow, that's a punch in the gut, Lord. But you're absolutely right. I don't. I didn't. And so what God showed me was I needed to put aside those desires for that time and just let him make me the man I needed to be. And several months later, this cute Pardue girl came across. Not, not Cindy, that one. <laughs> the, I know you guys all know that she was a Pardue, but Jenny came across my path, and 
you know, the, the rest is history. Three years, three and a half years of dating. You know, it, it took some time. God had a lot of other things to work on me in. And yeah, amen is right. <laughs> By his grace, I, I put aside those desires. They were still there, but Lord, it's not time. Lord, you, you've got some other things to do in my heart. You've got some other things that, that needs to be in place. And so I sought after God hard, as much as I could, until he saw that I was ready for something different. First, I gave my heart to God. Then three years later, she said, yes. <laughs> Six months later, she said, I do. All of this was a long process. It wasn't, and everybody's process is different. Mirror, mirror on the wall, right? 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Jesus Christ is the fairest of them all. Amen. That's the other thing you see in the mirror when you look in the mirror of God's Word. You see who you're not because you see who He is. And you don't walk away rejected and dejected. You, you walk away confident that he is going to keep working on you until you look like Christ. And that's only going to happen, obviously, when he returns for us. But until that day, the promise is that he is going to keep working if you keep showing up and looking in the mirror and not forgetting what you just saw. That's how relationships work, too. He's going to make you who you need to be for somebody else. And when you look in the mirror, you see both the good and the bad. Ladies, what do you, what do you see when you look in the mirror? Only the bad, right? Is that, is that just the way it works? I don't, I don't know why. Guys, I, we, I shared this story being at the gym, you know, the, the big fat fella, he was, you know, kind of had the tongue out. You know, he was, he, he didn't see any, he didn't see any of the bad. It was just those biceps, man. All the rest just faded away. Look at those glorious biceps. And, and you know, there's, there's both sides for all of us to see, aren't there? There's good about you because there's good about Christ in you and what he's changing and what he's doing. And there's bad about you because you're not there yet. And we all need to see both sides of it. We really do. Romans 12, 3. For I say... Though the grace given unto me to every man that is in you, or through the grace, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. There are a few ways that you can interact with God's word. Right? You can come to it and walk away and, and deny what he showed you. You can walk away and forget what he showed you. You can walk away feeling sorry for yourself because of what he showed you. Or you can stand there, like a man, like a woman, and you can take it, and you can agree with him. And he's going to start working in your heart to change those things to be more like him. Uh, if you remember when we were in the book of Ephesians, we saw that in chapter 2, Paul was reminding us of our past and how we walked according to the course of this world. In verse 13, he says, But now, you're, you're not, you don't look the same as you looked before. Right? But now, he says, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off or made nigh, you're brought near by the blood of Christ. And he goes on in verse 19, he says, Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, 
and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Look, you may be messed up because you're human. But in Christ, you are something amazing that God dwells in. Right? And he has chosen you and I to be a part of that. Not because we're special, because he is. But he loves us that much that he allows us to be a part of something so beautiful. Spending time with God, you should never walk away self-loathing or in self-defense. Right? If you're truly spending time with God, how do you walk away with any more of yourself? Right? He does, he's not interested in you hating yourself. He's not interested in you being dissatisfied with who you are. He wants you to be satisfied with who he is. It's not about you. And he doesn't want you self-defending against what he's trying to do either. Self-defense, we said, is only, only something that belongs in Taekwondo. It's not part of the Christian walk. Proverbs 18.24, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. So back to relationships. It doesn't matter if you're talking about marriage, dating, just friends, if it's a discipleship relationship, if it's, if it's a deep, meaningful friendship. It's not supposed to be about what you can get out of it. Right? It's not supposed to be about them meeting your standards. It's about you sharpening them. It's about you bettering them, building into them. It's about what you can bring to the table and you have to offer. If all you can offer is criticism and judgment of others, well, it's a good chance you're a hypocrite. And your relationships, honestly, are doomed because nobody wants a relationship with a hypocrite. If you can take the criticism, specifically from the word of God, first, man, you're gonna be a good friend because God's gonna make you the kind of person that other people need in their life. Right? <laughs> you're going to become the person everybody wants in their life because, because you genuinely care about what God cares about, and God cares about people. So you're going to be following God's steps to healthy relationships. So the, the first thing we needed to do was, was to evaluate ourselves. The second point is to elevate yourself, and I'm not talking about pride. Right? We know... We know how God's economy works, right? You lower yourself for improvement. You, you, you get underneath of other people and you lift them up, and that's how you advance. Humility is certainly part of this. But we need to elevate ourselves. If we look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 6, the next verse, he says, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest ye trample them under, your, under their feet, or lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you or tear you. So letter A is, is don't give it away. Don't feed the dogs. There's a, a story in Matthew chapter 15 where this woman comes up to, to Jesus and uh, 
It's Matthew 15, verse 22. It says, Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried in him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meat, it's not suitable, to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. All right, so this is one of those stories. If you've read much of the Gospels, Jesus says weird stuff, right? I'm just going to say that out loud. I'll stand away from you just in case I get hit by lightning or something. He says weird things sometimes, like hate your mother and father, which he meant, you know, if... (laughs) If you don't love me more than them, but he said it a weird way for us. We're like, what? What did he say? And he does that to get your attention, and it always works because you're like, that lady asked for help, and he called her a dog. Why did he do that? What weird, man. Why does he say stuff like that? He does it for a purpose, right? Jesus came first to the Jews. God chose the Jews as his people to be the vehicle to reach the rest of the world. The Jews end up rejecting Christ, and he, he goes another direction. If you pay attention, there's, there's a, a cool little nugget here. Jesus, or the Jews have rejected Christ now, and we have the church age. Right? Uh, Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Right? He initially came to the Jews, and now we have access. Uh, Romans 10.12 says, There is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, uh, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whatsoever or whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So back to the other story. Why why did Jesus call this woman a dog? The, The time at which he called her that was during his first, you know, first ministry here, and he was reaching the Jews first. He was ministering to the Jews trying to get them to see him as the king of kings. All right, he calls her a dog, and she calls out to him in humility and faith. There's a cool little picture there. You know, everybody else, other than the Jews, this church age, how do we get saved? By approaching him in humility and faith. Right? We humble ourselves before the Lord. We cry out to him as Lord, and he saves us. Mm-hmm. Yes, Gentiles and the Greeks is the same thing. That is, that is correct. So Christ came first for the Jews. They rejected him. And we, dogs, now have the chance to clean up the scraps from the table, don't we? And praise the Lord that we get that opportunity. All right, so this is not uh, a message to say, you know, we're all about evangelism dating right? What, what he's saying is there, there's, there's chosen, and then there's everybody else. The picture is there's, there's the church, and there's everybody else. We see the same thing in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, where he says to not be unequally yoked, right? He says, be ye not unequally yoked, in, in verse 14, together with unbelievers. 
He's, he's saying the Jews were the chosen. The Jews were his family. Everybody else outside of that was an infidel, a dog. Right? And we see the same comparison that we're not supposed to cast our pearls before swine. We're not supposed to, you know, what's the, I can't remember the, that which is holy. We're not to give that which is holy. Those of us who are in Christ, we're not to be unequally yoked with those that are not. Let's read on in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. He says, be, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, and God hath said, I will dwell with them, and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Every time throughout Scripture, God warns the nation of Israel and says, hey, don't marry outside of your nations, right? There was 12 tribes. Don't go marrying outside of that, because as soon as you start marrying outside of that, you're going to fall in love with those people's gods, and you're going to forget me, and you're going to turn your back on me. Right? And, and we, I have story after story after terribly sad story of wonderful Christian believers who go, they just fall, fall in love with somebody that does not love the Lord and with the intention, wonderful intention of, of winning them to Christ. And what happens more often than not, the exception proves the rule, right? what happens more often than not is that individual you see them three years later. They've got nothing to do with God. They, they don't care anymore. Their life is in a mess because they've been making decisions on their own without the Lord's help. They've refused his direction. And now their life is, is the result. Right? 1 Kings 11, chap, or chapter 11, verses 3 and 4. And this is talking about Solomon. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after, the, after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. So maybe, maybe you're saying, okay, well that's Solomon, and that dude was crazy because he had a thousand, thousand ladies in his life. I, I can handle one, right? I'm going I'm going to keep my mouth shut there. <laughs> Too late, isn't it? Proverbs 21.9 says, it's, it's better to dwell in the corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman, singular, in a wide house. It's, okay, that's still Solomon. But he's saying, and that's, that's a big house, I'd rather be on the, the corner of the rooftop than, than with one brawling woman. So you've got to be careful who you're, who you're picking. Proverbs 21, 19. It's better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. I, I knew a guy back in the day that hunted every season there was to hunt. And I was like, dude, don't you ever, don't you ever go home? And then I heard him on the phone with his wife, and he was like, and she was like, wah, 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 wah. that's all you could hear. And I was like, what season is it, man? 
<laughs> Squirrel. Oh, I'm hunting coyotes today. Why? What do you do with those? Shoot them. Afterwards. I don't know. It's better to dwell in the wilderness. It's basically what that poor guy was saying. And his poor wife is home wondering why he doesn't care. So who, who do your treasures go to? Is the, the next question. Who do your treasures go to? And we see some good answers in Genesis 24. And this goes both for the ladies and the fellows, even though the story is, you know, uh, a guy going out to find a bride for another fella. Uh, if you, you can turn to Genesis 24 if you like. It, it should be on the screen, I think. Yeah, we got them on the screen. Cool. The, the first blank is to be equally yoked. All right, so the story is Abraham is sending out his servant, his nameless servant, to find a bride for his son, his one and only son. And there's a really cool picture that goes along with this story. Abraham is the father. He's got his one and only son. He sends the nameless servant out to find a bride for his son of, of a Gentile nation, okay? So there's a really cool picture that Abraham is, is like God in, the pic, in this picture. Abraham pictures God. The son is obviously, you know, pictures Christ. The nameless servant is the Holy Spirit. And he's going out to find a bride for the king, right, for the coming king. And he gets some instructions, and the servant gets some instructions on who to look for. How do you, how do you know who to find that would be a suitable bride? All right, so how, would, how do you find a suitable mate? Verse 4, you, you need to be equally yoked. He says, but thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. All right, so he's saying, he said specifically in verse three, don't go to the land of Canaan that we're living in now. These, these people that don't worship the God that we worship. The implication here is that Abraham's family all knew God, right? They, they all understood who God was, the creator God. Abraham didn't just happen upon him out of nowhere, right? His family knew. So go, go take a bride that knows who God is. Somebody who's equally yoked. Somebody who believes the things you believe. Verse 8 is spirit-led. You need to find somebody that's, that's being led by the Spirit of God. It says in, in verse 8, if, if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, remember the, the servant is the Spirit, if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath. Only bring not my son thither again. All right, so if the woman's not willing to follow the Spirit, or, or, or if the guy you're interested in is not willing to follow the Spirit, if there's evidence in their life that they're not, that's not a good choice. Verse 13, at, at the well. Hey, we're at the well. Living water, in parentheses. He says, Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of men of the city come out to draw water. Right, so this guy knew where to go to look for the, the bride. He went to the place where the water was served. And, and we know from Ephesians that, that we wash by the water of what? The word of God. Right, so if you're going to be looking for somebody, they need to be at the well, not necessarily here. I mean, you're all really cool people, but 
They need to be in the well, which is God's word. They need to be drawing living water that we see from John chapter 4 from God, from his word. Verse 14 is somebody that shares the water. Not only drawing from God's word and understanding what God's teaching them, but sharing the things that God's teaching them with others. Let it come to pass that the damsel, the, the girl, to whom I shall say, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall, she shall say, drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. And thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. And verse 16, another qualification is pureness, purity, pure and holy. Verse 16 says, And the damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin, neither had any man known her, and she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. All right, so just a quick disclaimer. Most of us have some past sins in our life. When you come to Christ, he forgives you for past, present, and future. Right? He forgives you of all your sins. He purifies you and makes you clean. The question is not, do they have a past I can't handle? That, that's an important question. But the question is, are they presently, currently, walking in purity with the Lord? Are they walking the way he sees them, as pure, as forgiven, as righteous? Are they walking in righteousness, making wise decisions that continue to keep them pure? Those, those are some key qualifications for the relationships. Those are people that you can offer your holiness to, that you can cast your pearls to. Right? You, you need a friend that you can share the treasures of your heart. You've got to guard those treasures. You can't just share everything and anything with anybody because a lot of people can't or won't or shouldn't handle your business. You need somebody special. Right? And if it's going to be a dating relationship, if it's going to somebody, someday be a, a marriage relationship, you've got to find somebody that matches these qualifications. Because otherwise, they're going to turn around and trample you, he says. They're going to turn around with the, the, the things you trusted w them with and they're going to hurt you with them. So the opposite can also be true, right? What if, what if you're the dog? What if, what if you're the swine? Not, not that you're unsaved. And, and, and seriously, if, if you're here tonight and you don't even know what being saved means, if you don't know what salvation is, born again, all of those things, we would love to explain that in detail to you. Please come and ask about that. The best decision you can make in your life. But what, what if you desire to be with somebody that's, that's out of your league? And, and fellas, they're all, they're all out of our league. All right, that's just the way that works. But what I'm talking about is spiritually. Letter B don't ask for a 10 when you're only a 2. <laughs> don't, don't. Next week we're going to talk about asking, asking the Lord for great things, for good things. Don't ask for a 10 
when you're only a two. And I'm not talking about settling. We'll get to it here in just a second. That's actually meddling. What's meddling? That's hilarious. So don't ask for a 10 when, when you're only a 2. And before you go off and say something that I didn't say, hear me out. I'm not insinuating that you settle for less than what you're striving for, what you're hoping for, what you're dreaming about. I'm not saying that. The point of point 2 is, is to elevate yourself. Man, shoot for the best. Dream about the best, but don't expect that somebody else should cast their pearls before you if you're a swine. If you're in the mud, if you're in the mire of sin and mess, get up out of there and allow God to start cleaning you up, right? You need to elevate yourself so that you can actually lead or equally be led by somebody of virtue, somebody that matters, Somebody that's doing something incredible for God. Don't we, I mean, don't we all want that in our lives? Don't we want that to be the person that we're with? Don't you think they want that too? Why should they have to settle for you? Don't ask for a 10 when you're only a 2. So what things can we do? We started off talking about judging. We're, we're to measure against a standard. Measuring is, is just the first step. Once you have the information that you've measured, you've got to do something with it, right? What do you do with it? You begin taking steps to agree with what you're seeing in the mirror of God's word. Ephesians 3.16 says that we need to strengthen ourselves, or we can strengthen ourselves. If you're not equally yoked, let me just tell you, when I first got saved... If I had met Jenny at that point, <laughs> she's, she's out of my league in looks. That was obvious. She's out of my league so far above me in spiritual maturity, I had no business being in a relationship with her. God had to grow me up first. God had to teach me some things. He had to make me a man of his word. He needed to strengthen me so that I could actually get in the yoke with somebody else and actually head the same direction and not go in circles because one of us is pulling harder than the other. Or we're not pulling opposite directions. You need to strengthen yourself. Ephesians 3.16, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by the Spirit in the inner man. He needs to grow you up on the inside, doesn't he? The second thing you need to do is, is follow the Spirit. And if you're not noticing, these are all parallel to what we saw in who we're looking for. We're, we're wanting to become who we're looking for so that we're equally yoked in all areas. Follow the Spirit, Psalms 143, or Psalm 143, verse 10 says, Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy Spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Have you asked the Lord to lead you, intending to follow? Get to the well. John chapter 4 is, is talks about living water. Share the living water. We're running out of time, so I'm going to give you the rest of these blanks. Ephesians 3, 8 and 9 says, Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach 
among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. And the last one is allow God to purify your life. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, I beg you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. Don't do things the way this world does them. You're only going to end up with the results that this world gets. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Only the word of God can do that, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He has a desire for you to be built into something incredible. He has a desire for you to build into others something incredible. We gotta do it his way. So God created us to need relationships. He shows us in his word how we should build. He gives us the foundation of Christ. He gives us the rest of the instructions in his word. The big question is, do we want his results or do we want what everybody else has? I'll leave you with one more verse, and, and this will lead to next week's study. Proverbs 16:9: "A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps." So here's the question for your heart: Which way do you want it to go? You decide the way, God directs your steps, if you decide His way. Right? If your heart is to, to be who God wants you to be, to do what God wants you to do, to be in relationships with God the people God wants you to be in relationships with. You choose that way, and next week we're going to look at the narrow path. You choose his way, and he's going to order your steps. He's going to direct you. He's going to show you what you need to do. Let's go ahead and pray, and then I think we've got one more song. Lord, thank you so much for your word, as always, and, and for the instruction that we get, and help us uh, to take the steps that you put in front of us so that we're not, we're not going to end up with our own mess and not know what to do with it. Lord, you've given us so much wisdom and direction. We just pray that uh, we would surrender to it and that you'd lead us and that you'd be glorified by all the relationships that we have. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.